Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and uh, thank you so much for joining us as we drive it home until 7 o'clock. Hope that you're happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. It was a little bit busy for me at work today, and uh, I was so stressed just trying to put together a report on uh, some uh, issues for early childhood care today across the state. Uh, The governor made an announcement that there's going to be one unified agency to cover early childhood education, child care, early intervention, and uh, improve access to the uh, areas of our state that might not have uh, very many facilities for child care. So I was working on uh, on that and talking to some of my friends in early intervention. If you're not familiar with early intervention, it's actually a federal program. Every state has early intervention. It depends on uh, their programs, uh, how old and what the uh, the depths of the program, uh, what they services they can provide for babies to three or five years old. I know there are a few states that provide early intervention up to five years old. And essentially, there's a the criteria is uh, if if a child, a baby is exhibiting delays developmentally, uh, they uh, you have a caseworker who does an evaluation, they have a social worker, they'll have someone who does physical therapy, developmental therapy, uh, speech therapy. Uh, I know when Declan was born, it was very overwhelming um, because Declan was not breathing when he was born and exhibited uh, a lot of delays even upon birth because he was not breathing. He was, uh, there's a neurological test that they give to newborns called the APGAR scale and Declan uh, essentially exhibited uh, severe brain damage uh, even at, at the very moments of uh, coming into this world. He bounced back, he rebounded, but it still was uh, obviously cause con- for concern and later with the diagnosis of uh, corpus callosum disorder, which means that he's missing part of his brain, uh, we were very uh, involved in uh, all kinds of therapies. We continue to be. He's 18 years old and the goal is to help him be as independent as possible possible. He, uh, but it, it, as a newborn, man, it is, uh, it's overwhelming when they send uh, this team of uh, therapists, uh, of providers who are really there to help a child uh, get a little bit ahead of where they are, try to, um, you know, for Declan, it was, uh, he was not able to, you know, all the baby milestones. Um, they, they called him uh, floppy at birth. Uh, he had severe hypotonia, which means his uh, musculature was not able to support a lot of the movements that a newborn should be able to do. And even months in, uh, he wasn't able to roll over or pick up his head. He did not, not walk until he was about three. Um, he, he does not speak, so we have found other ways to help him uh, communicate. And, uh, and early intervention was such a lifeline to my family when we were terrified about what was going to happen to our son, um, how we were going to um, adapt for him. Um, and and help him succeed in any way possible. And, you know, at first it was hard because they send uh, the therapists to your home. They We had uh, the first meeting was just beyond stressful. I don't want to get into that one because, <laughs> unfortunately, the uh, caseworker um, had the wrong file. 
Uh, that's just she but she had the staple over my name and they were asking me all these questions about you know is he uh is he able to hold his head up and i was like no and and which were just those were all standard questions declan was only about three months old maybe i think he was like two or three months old and they asked me if he was eating solids and i was like no i mean i i already had my first child and i i kind of knew some of those milestones so i knew what declan was not meeting well it turned out that they thought he was nine months old and i was in complete Nile. So it was, it was very, and then we had to restart the entire meeting again uh, with the correct information. But we ended up having five days of in-home therapy for Declan. Uh, again, I don't know that I don't know that he might have ever walked had it not been for the tireless efforts of his physical therapist Sarah, who just gave gave us all kinds of homework to help him build his upper body strength to get his uh, legs moving. And I'll, I'll, I'm grateful forever for the uh, the five people that used to give us uh, just so much hope and guidance. Uh, for Declan, uh, one of his therapists, Jennifer, uh, taught us some sign language in the hopes that we could, you know, visually help Declan along. At any rate, uh, that's a program that is vital to a lot of families. And the governor has announced that he is uh, putting early intervention under one agency with uh, preschool programs and child care. And I was doing a lot of research today about child care uh, across the country. And there are some states that are doing their best uh, there. And actually in New Mexico, they enshrined child care and access to child care in their constitution, essentially making child care a right, which I thought was fascinating. And we have a lot of work to do in this uh, in this state, across the country, uh, the lack of child care. We'll talk to Dan Schaefer a little bit about this later because we've been following the story that he shares with us. The uh, legislature in Wisconsin uh, did not want to provide funding. They were dragging their heels and it really causes a lot of harm to families. We About 100,000 people every month are unable to go to work because they're not able to get childcare, and I, I was I was absolutely blown away by this number. It's a hundred and twenty-two billion dollar hit to our economy when people cannot afford childcare or have access to childcare. And in this state, the cost of childcare, especially if you are uh, living at a wage that you know is really, you guys, the cost of childcare for many people surpasses the costs for rent. And we are living in a state where we provide, uh, you know, f- the freedoms that help families as much as possible, and we still need to do more. But if you are uh, earning a minimum wage, uh, it is a- absolutely the biggest burden in your uh, on your budget to be able to, to afford uh, care for your child so that you can go to work. And and all these states where they want to force women into being a parent, and, and I, again, I am blown away by how horrible people are toward sexuality in general right there's there was one legislator in wisconsin who said it's a it's a woman's fault if she gets pregnant she should keep her legs closed well what about the tens of thousands of women first of all who are raped who are assaulted and are now being forced to carry those pregnancies a term how about those women who as much as men enjoy having sex i mean keep your legs closed Clearly, for as I mentioned, tens of thousands of women who say no or are attacked. And that notwithstanding, we get to say we like sex. We, we enjoy that activity. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street, folks. And even if we're being careful, even if he's wearing a condom, even if you have a diaphragm, even if whatever precautions you try to take, they, you can still get pregnant. And I, again, I do not believe that anyone else's religion 
should supersede someone else's freedom to care for their own body. And it goes beyond just the idea of not wanting to be pregnant. The instances where it is dangerous for a woman to continue with a pregnancy. And by the way, being pregnant, if you were listening to Santita Jackson's show this morning, that I had to look this up, that delivering a baby is the closest to death a woman will come aside from other health issues. I'll tell you this much. I definitely felt, I remember thinking, just kill me. It, it's, it is, it takes such a toll on a woman's body. It is not, it is not up to anybody else how we care for our bodies. If a woman has an ectopic pregnancy, you want to say that she, that was her fault. It's your responsibility. Go ahead and die because you can go into sepsis with an ectopic pregnancy, which cannot be taken to, to it's never going to, that is never going to be, that's never going to be a person. It's not going to happen. It is attached to the outside of the area for men who don't know how our bodies work, where it can it can be supplied the life giving elements from a woman's body. And I, I, I've been thinking about this conversation we have with our friends from Union Proud Warrior uh, Warriors, and uh, and the idea that uh, we have electeds who want to tell us how we should be contributing to our economy that kids as young as 12 years old now in Florida, they are working on legislation so that kids can work until midnight during the school week at all. Kids shouldn't just in general should not be working until midnight, but they want them to be able to work until midnight because that's how you instill values in these kids. You know, they're not growing up right. Go to work at mid till midnight and get up at six and go to school. So for what? To, I mean, again, in Indiana, they're they're working on legislation to require kids to only finish eighth grade so they can go work at commercial farms. Republicans want they talk about small government, but they they're making it so that you are a laborer. You are a worker. You are at the whims of corporations and big businesses and the obesely, the morbidly wealthy uh they want you from the cradle to the grave to just work for them, to buy their stuff so they can buy their yachts. Let's take a break here. What's on your mind? 773-763-9278. The number again to call or text is 773-763-9278. And coming up on the show today, we have Dan Schaefer coming up at 6 o'clock and uh, talking about all things Wisconsin. And then we're going to check in with our friends in uh, our, our friend Brittany, who's, uh, I believe, now working for a new organization. Uh, I love having I love having friends in all the right places. Uh, we are going to talk to, uh, oh, my phone just died. Uh, I, I've got my entire schedule in front of me. I'll have to take a look at our schedule. But coming up at uh, 6 o'clock will be Dan Schaefer. And then coming up at 6.30, I believe we have Brittany Rutland. Why won't my phone work? I have to take a break. Every day we've had some technical difficulties. Um, we have uh, we have some great shows coming up already lined up for the next few weeks. And I'm excited to talk today to our friend Brittany Rutland. Ruland from she's from Iowa, but and she's working with our revolution. And then, of course, at six thirty, we're going to talk to our friend Tom Appel. Wait a minute, I have so many things going on this show. Do I have all of this right? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, that's right. All right, it's Brittany at six fifteen, Tom at six thirty, Dan. I'm just I'm going over my schedule with you guys today, just so I have it all straight. Let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll thank our sponsors. When we come back and uh, open up the phone lines seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. More after this on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. 
Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We do have the phone lines open, and Rose is calling out of Chicago. Rose, how are you doing today? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I just wanted to give you a call and ask you if you, you or any of your viewers have seen this on on this one TV channel that I saw recently last week. I was watching, well, I still use over-the-air broadcast TV. I refuse to pay a lot of money for hundreds of channels I'll never watch. So there's a channel called... It's 9.2 on broadcast, and it's called um, Antenna TV. Okay. Now, 9.1 is WGN for me, and 9.2 is this Antenna TV. And the Antenna TV shows up all these old sitcoms from, like, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, like Three's Company and all those um, shows that we used to love, sitcoms, and Becker with Ted Danson and stuff. So last week I was watching, like, in the wee hours in the morning, and I saw it was a split second. If you blinked, you would have missed this. It was a advertisement. It was just this, on the screen with the big letters P R E dash B O R N, preborn, like a right wing talking point. Right. There was a QR code, but if, you, like I said, it was a split second. If you, you would have missed it if you blinked. So I don't know how anybody could have scanned that code, but maybe they would have looked it up on the internet and then. And I thought, I can't believe I'm seeing hmm. anti-choice, one of those right. advertisements for that. And I thought, maybe I'm imagining it. So a few days later, again in the wee hours of the morning, same thing. And this time I heard um, they said something to the effect of, they have a life today. Again, hmm. after a split second. I just wondered if uh, I have not you seen encountered it. I have, I have not, yeah, but now, now I'm curious about Antenna TV. And, and my guess is, and it's interesting that you mentioned it was like late in the middle of the night. Like, are they trying to like sort of test the waters and see if someone will respond and reach out? You know, that's also a less expensive time to buy ads. But these organizations, a lot of these uh, right wing groups or the, uh, you know, the forced birthing groups have a lot of money. So I, I'm surprised that it was in the middle of the night. If they're buying ad time and Antenna yeah. TV will take it. And, and that's, that's when all the infomercials are on and right. everything. So, yeah, I was really, really surprised. And when I saw it twice last week, just in that span of time, I thought, wow. And I wonder if it's too, like I said, it's a split second. You know, if you blink, you miss it. Either you'd have to look it up if you happen to catch it, you know, blinking. Or um, maybe it's even subliminal if you if you believe in that kind of thing. That's subliminal message kind of thing. But it, it just... Was there, really bothered me. Was there an image with it or just the, the words, uh, save a life? the screen that yeah. said, like, pre-born. Pre-born. And then the QR code. and But it was big letters on the screen. That was pretty much the whole screen. Yeah. Wow, that's really weird. I'll, I'll keep my eyes open and see if those are popping up anywhere else. And I'll be yeah. curious and I to don't see. Know if nine, well, I was going to say, I don't know if 9.1 is affiliated at all with 9.2. Like I said, 9.1 is WGN. And 9.2 was this antenna TV. So I don't know if those two are affiliated. Like when you see those groupings and numbers, are they, if you see 5.1 right. NBC affiliated with 5.2 or 5.3, I don't know if it's affiliated all with WGN. But in the first one I saw last week just happened to come after a commercial for WGN radio, I believe. 
Okay. Which I thought well, that's kind of coincidental too. Let, let me see. So it's I think that uh, who owns who owns WGN now? Is it News Nation? I wonder if Antenna TV is News Nation because that would be a more conservative uh, organization if they own if they have that as part of their. Yeah, I'm I'm not able to find it, but. If it is, I would not be surprised. Again, um, the programming director, the station manager for WGN is a friend. Uh, Sean Compton is a friend of Donald Trump's, which, of course, oh. I, I, I'm sure I was a big thorn. <laughs> I, I did my best. Oh. Although I was not the only one at that station that was uh, really banging the alarm bells to not elect Trump and then, you know, calling him out on, on all the horrible things. But uh, if it, it I don't know that Antenna TV is, is owned by the same or the same corporation that owns WGN. But I will take a look. Mm. Yeah, that bothers me that WGN, because, that, you know, growing up in the Chicago area, my, being here my whole life and growing up with Bozo and right. all those shows from WGN, it just uh, rubs me the wrong way. But anyway, but anyway thanks you for, watch, uh, for well, listening. Well, Rose, first, do you, oh, do you watch, do you watch the, the WGN morning news? Because I think that they do a good job of, of saying pr- pretty much right down the, the, you know, making it entertaining without uh, being caustic one way or the other. Would you say? Yeah, I kind of kind of skip around it. I do like some of the the people they have reporting and stuff yeah. there. Annabelle Evolve is oh, the best. Yeah. I'm not picking my favorites. And Pat Tomasulo and Mike Toomey. They got some <laughs> good folks there. Paul, Paul's a good guy. Yep. yep. Well, we might well have, thanks, thanks again. Of course, we might have some folks calling in. They might have some thoughts as well. Maybe it's Next Star. Maybe that's what okay. we're looking for. Thank Great. you so much. Take care, Rose. Good Bye-bye. to hear from you. Bye-bye. Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, Patty. And going back to about nine, before Roe versus Wade, about 1969, let's say, I'm with this character I used to drink with all the time and play the horses with. One day he says, I'm going to borrow 500 from your uncle. This is uncle's for marriage. Because Sally wants to get an abortion. And I looked at him and I said, well, what are you involved in Sally's abortion? I even know her. And then you're going to go to my uncle, who doesn't know Sally either, but you're going to borrow 500 bucks from him, and you're going to, you're going to disparage Sally's name all over town. This is the west side of Chicago at the time. And I said to myself, this is, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. What about poor Sally? What, how come she's got to go to a nut like you, and then you've got to go to my uncle to get 500, and you've got to go through all this rigmarole? This is insanity. So when Roe versus Wade was passed... Yeah, well, that puts that to bed. I mean, every individual can make their own choices, and just like we were made to do, just make our own autonomous choices. Yeah. And it's just pathetic. How much all the women are coming to Illinois for abortion? Was it 70000 now? What about their expenses, Patty? What, who's paying their expenses to come here? And all the women that can't what afford that or don't have uh, access to right. yeah. Exactly. They're trapped. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is yeah. that, you know, we've talked to Terry Cosgrove from Personal Pack about this and how it traps women in poverty. You, you, I just started the show talking about how hard it is to pay for child care as it is. And most of these states aren't funding them. Like Wisconsin wants you to, to be pregnant, stay pregnant, and then good luck. Good luck with, with being All able right. yeah, to make it in life for yourself, for I your think- family. Yeah. I think the vice president is, is, is banging the drum, which she, well, she should be in these states and uh, make people realize that uh, we've got to get back to 1972 again. We've got to get back to this Roe versus Wade. I don't know why. What? I can't in the, for the life of me think of why somebody would sit around and go, hmm, I think it's a good idea to force women 
They have children. It, it just doesn't. Uh, I, I don't want to. I here the so when there was a movement, the movement to ban abortions. You know, we've talked about how Wisconsin's legislation goes back to eighteen what eighteen fifty. The American Medical Association was formed in nine in eighteen forty seven. So eighteen forty seven, all male doctors, and uh, my guess is they didn't like having these midwives or women who were helping uh, other women have babies. They they wanted to have complete control over reproductive health back in eighteen forty seven. So they. Were were the ones that pushed to outlaw abortion in states across the country. Because, yeah, but Penny, yeah. if you think about women's struggle to vote, just to get the vote, yeah. 1920 to get the vote. The Western states gave them the vote. Margaret Sangster opened up a, in 1920, uh, 1922, opened up a, a, uh, um, birth control, uh, place, and they were around the corner to get birth control. Because poor women and civil, whoever the case may be, I mean, what your, you don't know what your circumstances are. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, how the hell do we know what uh, is going to transpire over the next six months or something like that? You know, you, you, anyway, this is just, yeah, it's just terrible. Did Trump get the, I thought they were going to soak him for another $300 million or something today. That they, didn't come across. The judge, the word is that the judge and Goran will not be uh, delivering his, uh, the decision until they think possibly next week. They were anticipating it today, but it did not oh. come down. Okay, Patty. Thanks a million. Thank yep. you, dear. Have a good night. You too, Jim. Thanks a lot. Let's get to uh, Cindy in Plainfield. You know more about this ad on Antenna TV? Yes. Uh, can you hear me okay, Patty? I can. Thank you, Cindy. Go ahead. Oh, okay, great. Um, I looked up preborn. Um, there's a location in Indianapolis, um, and it is uh, it was created by a man named Dan Steiner, who is the president of preborn. It's for women giving their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can give by check. They're also a tax exempt organization. Uh, and it says they're helping women by leading and equipping pregnancy. There's also a location in Dallas. So I think it might be like a nationwide thing. Um, yeah. They're advertising on WMUZ in Detroit. Uh, so apparently. They're all over the place, but I have a feeling that they're probably set up kind of like those crisis pregnancy centers. Right. Yeah. Which, um, uh, you know, they don't really have any medical people that actually work there. Right. That's the thing is, for folks who don't know that there there was legislation that was passed in Illinois uh, prohibiting, uh, you know, organizations like Preborn that Cindy's talking about of uh, establishing a clinic under the guise of providing the wide, the full range of reproductive health, including access to maternal care, which may need a woman may need to have an abortion during her pregnancy for whatever reason, health, uh, physical danger, all those things. And, and then they basically guide them. They don't provide those services and they guide them to uh, they, they set themselves up to look like a, a clinic that will provide those services and then trick them. And in and, and many states where you have such a narrow, a very small window with which to make that choice, uh, it can be absolutely uh, devastating for somebody who's trying to take control of yeah, their own body. We, we, we tried to get that passed. However, the state, uh, the federal judge halted it in Illinois. Right. Um, and Kwame, Kwame Raul, who was one of the people that, that was kind of backing that with J.B. Pritzker, Kwame Ra- Raul backed off on it right away. 
So that legislation, in fact, did not pass. It did, not, uh, it did not sustain. So they, uh, was, Kwame, uh-huh. was Kwame's position that it was, it was too hard of a First Amendment case to fight? Because it, it, I like, don't, rem- I don't really, um, yeah. I don't really remember what his actual stance was because this happened uh, back in December. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, it, it, it. We did try and get it passed, but it didn't pass. Right. So I think they, they were. And called- those crisis pregnancy centers right. are still tax exempt. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah. I- so. I, I have an in-law that's like they don't they don't want to have women you know have access to the full range of healthcare like they they make the same argument and and hold up things like preborn as their as their healthcare for women and it's absolutely absurd. Correct. Yep. Correct. They don't they don't give them any information about alternatives. It's all about yep. having your baby, keeping your baby, or. Um, uh, putting your baby out for adoption, and a lot of times the uh, ultrasounds they do are actually kind of fake ultrasounds, and right. they'll tell women that they're further along than they are. They're really, really despicable. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you know they can't unless you, I guess unless you had someone going in undercover because how humiliating because there are some places that will put a woman through a transvaginal ultrasound because they want them to hear the heartbeat or whatever and uh, oh this is so invasive and and you know that they're they're not even doing it they're just putting someone through the motions and it's absolutely barbaric that they're doing things like this it's gross. But, it is very bar- it is very barbaric, yes. But that's what preborn is. They're kind of the same. Looks like kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for updating us and, and giving us more background on that. I appreciate it, Cindy. Okay. Have a great day. Right. Have a great evening. Thanks. Bye. Take okay. care. Okay. You too. Thanks, Patty. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. For our folks that are on hold, stand by. I'm going to take a break here, and we'd love to take your calls as soon as I come back. We're going to take a break and uh, update you on the weather and some uh, messages from the station. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Thank you for hanging out with us as we drive it home. Earlier, our friend Rose called and said that she had been watching Antenna TV, which uh, broadcasts off of a sub-channel, which Rob, I believe, is going to help us understand because I don't, I, I've seen it on other people's televisions. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind, my friend? What can you share with us? Well, I, I worked for, and I, I'm out here on the, on the west coast of the Bay Area. I was a transmitter and studio engineer for a uh, foreign language TV station. We, we, our main channel was in 14 different languages. Uh, 13 of them are not English. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. uh, but we had we had fibers and satellite antennas, um, so that we had four subchannels in addition to our main channel. And our studio and our automation created our main channel. The other, the sub-channels came in by fiber or satellite, and they were just added into the mix, if you will. So we didn't really have, in our hardware, we didn't have any editorial control. We had, we right. had, okay. you know, these were These were completely assembled somewhere else. So we were, in a way, almost like a miniature cable TV system um, with, with uh, altogether our channel plus the four subs that came in by fibers or by satellite. And then they were, they were added into our composite of five streams, one HD and four SD things. And, um, 
The only thing we could do was if there was an emergency of some sort, you know, one of the called the EAN, Emergency Active Emergency Alert System, we could interrupt the stream and put on the emergency. So no matter which sub-channel you were on or our main channel, everybody watching our signal got the message, there's a flash flood warning, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but we, but we had no editorial control. Now, other stations may have it differently in terms of how they do it, but you know, being able to put in local commercials on top of the whatever's coming in, I'm not sure. I know many cable TV systems do have the ability to replace commercials with their own, um, but uh, so we weren't like that. But just to let people know that many times you're really looking at something that's nationally distributed and could be coming in by a fiber or coming in by satellite to the station where it just gets turned around and added into the package, which has the nine dot something <laughs> designation right. on it. Yeah, that's a, that's fascinating. And, well, so the, so essentially, but but my understanding is that so here locally, uh, WGN is channel nine, and it does seem as though those sub numbers are also associated with that same uh, broadcaster. So that is uh, well. The, the, Right. They are, but to the extent that they all go through the same transmitter and off the same antenna. Gotcha. But the uh, but they're combined they're combined into a composite, probably down at the studio uh, where uh, there's an automation for or, or even live switching for the main channel, and these other things just come in by either off a satellite antenna or off a fiber or something, and and they're just added into the composite. So think of it as like weaving. You have your your main thing, and then these other things are woven in with it because the the transmitter is capable of carrying more than just one high definition picture. Okay. Analog, you could only do one, but with digital, if you don't have much action in the video, you don't have much bandwidth that's being occupied. You can put in, in the spare <laughs> bandwidth, you could put something else. So, so think of it almost like a miniature cable company. People that rent out those subchannels, so there's monthly payments coming from the people who want to be in the market as a subchannel. And uh, very likely that's going on. Again, I'm on the engineering side. I'm not in the marketing and sales side. But well, uh, just for, so you know, it, so it, 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 it's, an, it's an interesting thing in terms of how, it, how it's put together. And many stations, they, they literally don't have any editorial control at all over those subchannels, other than when they negotiate contracts, which, uh, which are the many people who want to be on a sub-channel, they'll pick to have a contract with. In this instance, it looks as though Nexstar does own the the channel that she's talking about is Antenna TV. But I want to ask you about, so she said it's like really quick. I mean, in your experience, because we've always heard about like subliminal messages or like flashing something. Had you ever come across something like that in your career where, you know, with these sort of sub-channels or having access to like local cable where people would sort of slip in something to just, you know, send that message out there well, so they wouldn't get caught. I actually, I, I, I actually did see one, one over the air say we'll try to do it in the uh, 1980s. Now, I have an abnormally short persistence of vision. So I can see when we were doing analog video and we were assembling programs on a reel-to-reel tape, I could see one frame of black in between uh, a segment that was ended and another one was supposed to be given. And you could accidentally end up with this one frame of black, better known as a black hole, by miscounting in, in, in the frame, in, in the, the uh, 
the editing system. And I could see those. Well, one, after, one evening, my wife and I were watching TV, and I saw the screen go black, and then in white letters, large, it said TV, the two letters, uh, and, you know, on the screen, they were about two or three inches high with this black background. Uh, TV on the first line, and the second line, two zero, TV 20. So flash, that was a flash. And about a second later, another flash, black screen, white letters, right is the top line, it in the middle, and the bottom said down. These were for the Nielsen families that had diaries and were supposed to write down. And this was a this was a Channel 20 on UHF trying to tell people to write down in their diary that they'd been watching Channel 20. Oh wow! I saw that. My wife, my wife said, "What was that?" She couldn't. She just saw a flicker and didn't know what it was. But my my abnormally short persistence of vision, which I didn't even know I had until I got involved in video and could see black holes quite readily, I was able to read it and tell her what it said. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, that was, and that was the first time I ever saw anybody experiment with that. I'd heard that people had tried it, but I'd never actually seen it. Well, there you uh, go. I don't, I don't think it was very common. It may have happened more in movie theaters, but I'm not even right. sure about that. I remember that, yeah. too. Yeah, it was always that, like, there was something about the 70s and 80s where they're like, they're trying to control your mind. They're flashing these images. You know, it was that. And then wasn't it to play Pink Floyd backwards to hear a message from Satan? That was all that. I heard about the back. I heard. Yeah, I heard the, it's called backward masking. I'd heard about that being built into records. Uh, again, I don't know the details of it. I was not yeah. involved in the recording in the studio part, you know, where they create the master tape that becomes the record or the CD. I never was right. involved in that, but I but I had heard that it was it was real in some cases. Um, but I think it was it, it, it was a broad brush. Oh, they put something in there and backward masking, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, apparently, look, there was a, this, I, I just looked it up, but for instances of subliminal messages uh, there in, in 1978 in Wichita, Kansas, uh, they had per- permission from the police to place a subliminal message in a report on the BT, BTK killer. Wow. There's all the different kinds uh, during the 2000 U.S. presidential campaign. A TV ad for uh, George Bush showed words scaling from the foreground to the background on television screen with the words bureaucrats flash on the screen. So there have been instances where people have uh, been trying to manipulate, uh, you know, or uh, slip something in. Well, and there's a whole string of them. Look at this. It's happening all over the place. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised that people have tried it, especially advertising. Sure. Uh, oh, get your phone. You're, you're hearing my, my landline <laughs> phone ringing. Oh, awesome. This is another robocall, I'm well, sure. Well, Rob, <laughs> I'm so glad you called in today. It was lovely. Always lovely to hear from you. And we'd I'd love for you to call again. Get that. Tell that. Tell a telemarketer okay, you're sure. not. You're not. You're not taking okay, any polls thank today. You. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Let's uh, let's look at uh, Rob get his phone and see. This is why I love live radio. Like, I mean, I know sometimes there are background noises, but like to hear a landline. Andy, when was the last time you heard a landline? I kind of I should have just let him stay on the air. And <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Hey, Pam, on the west side, what's going on? Your what's uh, what's going on, Pam? Hi, Patty. How are you? I'm good. Uh, real, real interesting. The um, last call. You all were talking about the the nine point. Uh, Two and nine point three. Yes, is that with the stations? Okay, because I recall when that whole thing came into play, 
And they said, well, one reason the expansion to those, we were supposed to be able to have more diversity. I remember that being sold to us. And then also they said something about better communication in the event of an emergency. And I just remember during that time also that people had to get the, uh, remember the free converter boxes? I don't know that they distributed when um, when they implemented the uh, additional digital station. Okay. I don't know. Do you recall that? I, I remember or something. No? I remember. No, I do remember something about that where they were desperately trying to make sure that people would still continue to watch. You know exactly, yes. and that you wouldn't be cut off from analog and not have anything. So they distributed those uh, digital boxes if you didn't have cable. Right. Uh, they called them converter boxes back then. But yeah, that I remember that being sold as it would be more diversity, and then in case of an emergency, yes. uh, the communication throughout the country would be better. Uh, it seems to me they're just using it for profit and propaganda uh from a lot of it from from what i see what you're saying but mm-hmm. yeah but i i just wanted to make this statement um patty regarding uh the abolishment of a uh roe v wade uh i think this is the republicans attempt just to push and i absolutely do mean this patty this is my opinion not yours the republicans attempt to push uh, a pro-rapist legislation uh, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Let me just go quickly why. Because if you want to be pro-life, as they say, and you're not, you know, you want to ban abortions, why in the world, Patty, would you make it more difficult for victims of incest and victims of rape Yeah, to seek out medical uh, care and, and, and that medical care being an abortion procedure? What depraved mind would want to make it difficult for an incest survivor uh, to have that procedure done so they so that they don't carry the baby to term? This is so insidious to me, and I know it may sound far fetched, but now when I look at um, I think they said rape is increasing, or the numbers. Uh, did you hear that, Patty? Rape is increasing, or either the number of uh, women carrying babies to term mm-hmm. of rape over 64,000 they estimate based on the number of rapes and uh, pregnancies uh, yes it, it's stagger a staggering number and you know here's the thing folks every single pregnancy is because of a man folks I don't know how to tell you every single one we're fine all by we're going on doing our own thing exactly but patty i can't come to any other conclusion because it makes no human sense that you would want a, a, a victim of that violence of that trauma to have this medical procedure and to get this patty um, you know, this is where you have to do a police report or go through more medical yes. documentation. What if your perpetrator is in law enforcement? What if your perpetrator is in the medical field? Right. Now you're I putting mean, yourself you more in danger. Just have, mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, just think about this. And I know it sounds really wild, but I'm just convinced that this legislation and then you, you're giving a rapist family the right to protest or to have access to the baby? Yep, that's happened. That and that will continue to happen. Where rapists will demand paternal rights. Oh, so, uh, so Patty. Yeah. 
No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. So they can I, shoot. Go I, ahead. I'm not arguing with you. It is pro, pro-lifers. because, And I think part of why they, they became so strident about this, because there was a, a 10-year-old girl. Remember, there was a girl from Ohio who was raped, yeah. and she had to go to Indiana to have the abortion. And the first thing Republicans said, the first thing forced birthers said was, that's not a real story. And then yeah. when they found out that it was, because they, they have to turn themselves into pretzels in order to fit their logic into their troll brains. They have to say things like, you know, well, a woman, first of all, remember there were, there were Republicans who said women can't get pregnant when they're raped because their body knows how to shut things down. This is the lack oh, of understanding that these people have about women's bodies. Or that, uh, or then there are legislators now, there are right-wing nut jobs who will say that, well, you know, a woman who's raped should just see that as a, as a, as a gift from God, that that was, that that was a blessing. And there, there are women who are, there are people who have been the products of rape who say that they all also support a woman's right to abortion. I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. My mother, sure. would, you know, she was not, she, when she was 17, she was sexually assaulted. She was raped. Uh, she was, she was sorry, 17 yeah, years yeah. old. Uh, uh, thank you. But she was, sorry, mommy. And I know I, we've talked about this before, so I think I'm in okay territory. But sure, she, okay. Her, she was, uh, she was raped. Her mother was forcing her to have the baby. The doctor tried telling her, look, uh, I can help you not be pregnant. But my mother didn't understand what that meant. Right. And people are like, well, what mm-hmm. and they'll say, what if your mother aborted you? That wasn't me. That was my, my oldest sister was her first baby. But people will say, like, what if your mother had aborted you? Guess what? Guess what, Pam? I wouldn't have known. I, I wouldn't have known Thank any you. different. <laughs> and then I would have said my mother would have had her absolute right to be in control of her own body if that was her choice. Yes. And lastly, let me just tie it all in. Isn't it interesting that this party now has a dictator that is a rapist and a sexual predator? Yep. And they worship uh, him like he's God. Isn't that interesting how all of this ties together? It sure We've does. got to get out and vote, Pat, Patty. Oh, yeah. We've got to get out and vote. We have to make a difference uh, because I, I, we can't stand for this. I mean, there it, it's just, I don't it's depraved. I, I guess that's the best word that comes to mind. It's depraved. It is. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Pam. It was so great to hear from you today. Have a wonderful evening. We're going to work on this. We're going to get this done, Pam. Thank you. Let's take a break here. I'll continue taking your calls when we come back. 773-763-9278. That's the number to call or text. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are taking your calls. And first, I want to take your texts because they've been coming in. Uh, Let's see. Damn, Patty, you're my hero tonight. Oh, I don't know what I did, but thank you. I'll take it. You're mine, too. (laughs) Thank you, 385. Uh, Cradle to grave. Don't forget they want to raise the Social Security retirement age, too. That's what I'm saying. Nikki Haley says that we should all be working until we're 70 years old. So they want to make sure that women are held down and forced to give birth to babies that that either are a danger to their health uh, or are... uh, they, they will force them into one. They'll force them into a pregnancy. They'll force them to continue the pregnancy regardless of why they're pregnant. And then they'll force you to have the baby. And then they want that baby to go to work by the time they're 12, work till midnight and keep working until they're 70 years old. 
<laughs> it make it make sense, folks. Make it make sense. Uh, let's see. And then Larry and Wheeling says uh, it says that he's been ta- paying p- pretty close attention to WGN since they were acquired by Nexstar. They were almost requ- acquired by Sinclair. I remember that. Uh, if you need a refresher on Sinclair, the far right company, there is a great fifteen minute John Oliver rant on YouTube for, about Sinclair. Yep. And uh, so it turns out the FCC stopped the deal uh, because there was a limit. They had like just a massive number of television stations, and there are other look Sinclair and. By the way, so does uh, so does Nexstar. They own a massive number of television stations. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, the Tribune sold to Nexstar, which looks very similar to Sinclair, and I would uh, I would agree with that. Steve from the Gold Coast, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, yes, wanted to make a couple of points, and and I do think that there are a lot of motives as to why uh, the religious right has managed to exercise uh, the kind of control that they've had over our public policy, especially in terms of the repeal of Roe. But um, well, well, this notion let's, that let's, it, let's let's go there first, because do you think do you think part of that the religious fervor behind that? You know, this was not before 1847. There, you know, women would communicate with each other, and maybe they would work with with a medical, you know, person in their community and and say, "How do I not be pregnant anymore?" This is not something that's new. Do you think that part of the religious uh, zeal is to stay relevant from the top? Uh, I, you know, I know. I, look, I know that there are true believers, uh, but they're also they're not aware that sometimes that they're being manipulated or that their religion shouldn't overstep my own my oh, rights, yeah, it was. right? Well, absolutely, absolutely, and, and the reality is, I think we've discussed this before. I mean, you know, this was uh, these were people who wanted the issue. The Republican Party wanted the issue, not so much the overturning of Roe, because it was a way to galvanize the base and claim to them that you know, yes, if we could overturn it, we'd do it tomorrow for you. Keep voting for us; we'll get there someday. In reality, most of them realized how problematic it would be at the. Oh man, I I think that someone doesn't want uh, Steve from the Gold Coast to have a conversation with us. I am uh, I I have thought about that a lot, and 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 I've said this before. Uh, when I talk about religion, I understand that sometimes it lands awfully harsh for some folks. Um, that's based on the fact that I grew up in a very strident religious community. I was Mormon until I was 10 years old, and I I've flinch when it comes to people telling me how the rest of us should live our lives based on their religion. And I just won't, I, I, I won't have any of it because it's, it is absolutely separate. We cannot codify other people's religion on the freedoms at the, at the expense of our freedoms. Hey, Steve, let's see how we do it now. Yes. Uh, so, uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, and and I, I don't think that it's, it's a desire to defend the rape or rapists. I mean, these are the same states and the same people who, if you could, you know, put to death rapists, they would do it tomorrow. They would enact those laws. So I don't think that that's the motivation. The motivation, uh, I assume for many of them, is that they honestly believe and they were raised in the same kind of, say, uh, uh, religious environment in which you were raised. They honestly believe that this is how public policy should be defined in America. These are the biblical teaching. It's a ridiculous idea. And it- Oh, it is a ridiculous idea. I wanted to, I want to go back to something that Steve said about uh, that they're not necessarily defending rapists. However, there does seem to be uh, a a sort of uh, it depends on what they're you know if it's their uh, you know their daughter. Or their, it's always like I'm a father, I have a wife. It doesn't matter. It should be women's autonomy. And there are plenty of instances where women are not believed when they uh, make an accusation or or make a report about being raped. 
taped. Uh, we are asked. We are often the ones where cues of like, what were you wearing? Were you asking for it? Did you say no? Uh, you know, all these things. Like, did you basically did you invite it? I, I love that. Uh, I think it is uh, Tracy Ullman who has a sketch bit about uh, talking. You know, a man comes in and has had uh, has been robbed, and they're like, you know, what were you wearing? Did you want them to take your money? Did uh, you know what would you think was going to happen when you were carrying around a wallet like that kind of thing? Because that is how we are treated when we make a report. Uh, even look, I was sexually assaulted when I was very little. I was uh, abducted by a teenager uh, who lived in our and I, and I I sometimes I think about when the woman who came in and testified, I can't remember her name and someone will text it to me. Uh, the woman who came forward to make sure to try to say, call attention to uh, Brett Kavanaugh's uh, sexual assault. And people were like, oh, you know, she doesn't seem really emotional about it. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like a victim to me or a survivor. And, you know, there are it depends on what day you catch me on um, and how I can talk about this. But I was uh, I was very little. I was three years old and a, a neighbor uh, a took me from our yard and my mom was just had run inside and uh and he sexually assaulted me penetration and uh tied me in a laundry bag and left me in the basement and um and i can remember like i i have flashes of it uh, i remember um getting out of the i just remember being in the bag first and trying to get out of the bag and then uh trying to uh get out through the basement wind i couldn't open the door and i remember these things uh, that stay with me and this kid went to the when they brought him into the police station. This teenager said, "I had I had come over to his house and taken off my clothes." I mean, the police didn't believe him, and they were ready to throw everything at him. Um, but it is uh, there's always going to be somebody who is going to diminish the claims. Uh, is going to uh, I mean to say that a three year old came over and took off their clothes, but this is how people behave. Let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll continue. We're going to talk, check in with Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area. Follow him on Twitter. Check out uh, what's on his feed so you can uh, get a little sneak peek at what we'll talk about. Mostly, I'm guessing, uh, maps. We'll talk about the, uh, well, let's find out from Dan what we're going to talk about. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Oh, with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught. We are so thrilled that you're joining us as we drive it home. And hello to our friends listening on KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, And in between these two fairly blue states, we have our friends in Wisconsin. And here to talk to us about everything Wisconsin is our very good friend, Dan Schaefer, the publisher and writer of the Recombobulation Area. Uh, How about, hey, Dan, how many photos would you say you're getting uh, a week from people posing in front of the Recombobulation Area at your airport? A, a few, a few. It's becoming an almost daily occurrence where uh, you know people will stop at the the world famous, one of a kind recombobulation area at the Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport, uh, where after you you know go through security, you need to piece things together and uh, and uh, you know put your shoes back on and, and make it on your way. A one of a kind place, the recombobulation area in Milwaukee. And now I've got people sending me photos of it all the time. Yeah, it's pretty fa- great. It's fantastic. The brand I- is strong. The brand is strong. It really is. Uh, so let me, before we get to the, the politics of, of things, uh, you know, I, I have not really followed the Bears in a long time. So I haven't watched a lot of football games probably in the last, I would say, eight to ten years. Uh, I really enjoyed the last last uh, Kansas City Chiefs game. I looked at the Taylor Swift Chiefs. Um, 
<laughs> are you going to be watching Team this? Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> Team Taylor. Are you going to be watching the Super Bowl? And if so, who who do you think you'll be rooting for? Do you already have a choice? Uh, I think I'll be rooting for the Chiefs. I'm not, I don't have a strong rooting interest in this one. Uh, but I really don't like the 49ers since they seem to beat the Packers in the playoffs all the time. Uh, the play, and I'm just to, for your audience in Chicago, the playoffs is something that you go to when you like win the division <laughs> or have a really good record. Um, I, I don't know if that, yeah. that's anything that's happened. Yeah. So this is, you know, might be a new thing for your audience in Chicago. So uh, when you're, you know, a, a good football team, uh, that team goes to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, apparently, we... but un- unfortunately, the Packers have not been good enough to make the Super Bowl and keep losing to the 49ers. But hey, at least we're uh, at least we're making the playoffs. Uh, all we do is we tap into the energy of uh, 1985. That's all we really. I mean, and I can I, I can go to that. That's my that's my football happy place. Is uh, a, I think it was a one in sixteen. It's sixteen in one season. We only oh, fifteen and one. Right, there's sixteen games. So we lost to the Dolphins that year. That's all. I mean, other than that, we seem to have uh, coasted through that one. <laughs> that's it. That's that's. Uh, uh, that's the only thing we really have to hang our, our, our Bears helmets on. Yeah. Well, you had Jay Cutler for a while, and he was at least funny. Yes. Uh, in like right. a, you know, <laughs> so bad is funny kind of way. But, isn't, yeah. Isn't it insane how obsessed they are with Taylor Swift? I mean, I don't think we would be talking about Taylor Swift as much if they weren't losing their ever-loving minds over her. That I just—it's just a baffling response from <laughs> Republicans in this country to, to Taylor Swift. And you know what? If they want to make this election the Trump MAGA universe versus the Swifties, uh, yep. I think the Democrats are going to win like forty states, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. You know? I think you're right. Well, and we well, look—we we are trying to get on a path to, to flip Wisconsin, uh, and so you have—is tomorrow the deadline for the maps to hopefully move in that direction? Yeah, so tomorrow is a big day for the maps. So, uh, you know, the the Wisconsin State Legislature, um, as as we've discussed for the past few weeks on this show, uh, is is getting new maps. The the last last um, maps were struck down by the Wisconsin liberal new liberal majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, that redistricting process is unfolding. It's all happening pretty quickly. Uh, we have six uh, map submissions that are being considered by two consultants that were appointed by the Wisconsin Supreme Court to review those submissions. And tomorrow, uh, they will be issuing a report uh, on those submissions, seeing if they have made a selection or if they want to make some alterations to those maps. Uh, And we'll be putting a recommendation over to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Um, the, uh, the the various parties will will then file briefs in the following week, and sometime between February first and May or and March fifteenth, we will uh, find out what the maps are going to be looking like in the state of Wisconsin going forward. Uh, the one thing we do know is that all of these maps project to be far more competitive and far more reflective of the fifty fifty purple state that is Wisconsin and not a state that has a two-thirds, near two-thirds Republican majority like we've had for more than a decade in Wisconsin. <laughs> so exciting times. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a wonky issue. It's in the weeds. Uh, but it is going to set up a very, very different landscape uh, for the state of Wisconsin and our politics uh, at the state level going forward. 
Well, with that uh, two-thirds majority Republican legislature, they seem to want to have more power because, am I, did I read this right today, that they are trying to uh, diminish the powers of the governor, and would they be doing that were he not a Democrat? <laughs> Certainly not. Certainly, yeah. Just it's you know it's uh, there there there's like a callback to all of the hits uh, from this gerrymandered uh, majorities era. You know they in 2018 after Tony Evers beat Scott Walker uh, to win back the governor's mansion uh, for Democrats. You know the the Republicans moved to strip powers uh, from the Democratic governor and Democratic attorney general before they took office. Uh, and yeah, there was a story today uh, out of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, covering the what was happening uh, in Madison, where Wisconsin Republicans were reviving an effort to restrict the governor's veto powers. So now you may remember earlier this year that uh, Tony Evers, uh, with his budget, uh, used some, I would say, pretty creative uh use of his partial veto authority uh, to increase public school funding in uh, Wisconsin for the next 400 years. Yep. Uh, so I just kind of, instead of four years, just <laughs> added a couple zeros in there. Yep. Uh, or some some version of that. I don't know if that was the exact th- exact thing. So uh, you know, Republicans didn't couldn't couldn't stand for a uh, perpetual increase in public school funding, apparently, uh, and want now want to change the uh, change the way that the governor's partial veto works. Uh, so just just another example of a Wisconsin Republican legislature that just has been drunk on gerrymandering. Uh, for the past decade plus and has forgotten how to uh, come together and, and work together on issues. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, some of these folks that, uh, you know, made the rounds on Heartland Signal last week uh, <laughs> uh, online talking about, you know, abortion rights, um, you know, might actually have to uh, face the voters in competitive districts for, for the first time in more than a decade. Have we spoken since those? Uh, I, uh, no, we haven't. The veterinarian and then the woman who's like, uh, you know, if a woman gets pregnant, tough luck, tough titties, basically. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> that was what she said. I'm pretty sure. I'm quoting. It's, it's a news story. So yeah, I can say that. yeah. I know. I don't think we've. I don't think. I think that. I think those videos came later in the week last week. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the uh, you know the the representative from uh, from Door County in Wisconsin talking about uh, how he understands women's issues because he's a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, seems pretty insulting to uh, to compare women to animals, but that's the type of people that we have. Uh, in elected office yeah. for the Republicans in Wisconsin. Yeah, let, let me tell you something, Doc. Just because you birthed the goats that are on top of Al Johnson's pancake shop doesn't mean you know how a woman's body works. That's all I'm saying. It's uh, a great reference. Great reference there, Patty. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's one of my favorite spots. I, I still have the little blue and white good, cups. It's a good Door County deep cut there. That's good stuff. <laughs> Just not for nothing. And then, yeah, it's just absolutely absurd. Uh, I, I, I didn't look there, there was also another there was also another Republican uh, in, the, you know, that Heartland Signal clipped in that uh, in that thread that went super viral all over Wisconsin uh, last week um, talking about he, he was referencing uh, Bible stories uh, and, you know, saying that, uh, you know, women in the Bible who are giving birth at age 90. So we shouldn't. Oh. Uh, 
So we should use that type of uh, example to set healthcare policy in the year 2024. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and it was because she survived the big flood that wiped off everybody on the planet, so she had to keep giving. I don't know. I don't know which story that is, but if, yeah, by all means, <laughs> let's base it on a book that uh, where people live to be 900 years old, and uh, some guy put some giraffes on a boat, and that's why we're all here. I, I, I don't get it, but that's, the, <laughs> that's just me. You don't have to go into the sacrilegious uh, conversation that I'm having. <laughs> Those are the folks that get elected in the state of Wisconsin under gerrymandered maps. And it's going to be very interesting uh, to see, you know, what it's going to be like when I, I, you know, and I've already seen it from Wisconsin Democrats. Uh, you know, I think there was less than 24 hours after that clip went viral uh, on Heartland Signal. I've gotten uh, campaign emails from Democrats running for office referencing uh, that clip. So I have to imagine that clip is going to be played back uh, a number of times over yeah. the next year I, uh, I, in the state of Wisconsin. I love the idea that Nikki Haley wants us to work until we're 70 and a legislator in Wisconsin wants us to keep having babies till we're 90. That all goes together very well. That seems like <laughs> a solid plan, GOP. Well done. Dan, yeah. I, I've got to run. Uh, what do you got coming up in the in the Recombobulation Area publication on your Substack? Yeah, we'll be taking a look at uh, those new, you know, the decision from the, from the court-appointed um, consultants on new maps. That's going to be a big one, and we'll continue to follow a whole lot of local news uh, happening uh, in the city of Milwaukee and across the state of Wisconsin. We've got a spring election coming up, you know, uh, and it's uh, maybe not the, the big deal uh, that we had last year with the spring election, but uh, lots, of clo- lots of important state and local offices to be following. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for bringing us the stories, and, and always great to talk to you. Uh, we'd love to talk to you again next week if your schedule allows. But if something comes up, you know I'm flexible, by the way. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to talk to you again next week. Always great to talk with you, Patty. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Have a great night, Dan. That's Dan Schaefer. Follow him on Twitter, S-H-A-F-E-R. It's the easy spelling. <laughs> Take care, Dan. Bye. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brittany Ruland. Uh, Ruland. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. She'll correct me. And uh, Iowa, Iowa Democratic Party chair. Let's see how we can help folks in Iowa. See, we're, we're working on it. Just we're all around the edges, everybody. We can get this done. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for joining us as I uh, have been talking about for the last, uh, well, ever since we knew that it was probably going to come down to uh, Biden and Trump in a presidential election this year. There's a lot of work to be done all around the country. And Brittany Ruland from Our Revolution joins us. Brittany, congratulations for joining Our Revolution. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm fired up. I need, but the thing is, is to sustain that through November, right? So to, to mostly yep. self care. What What is your plan? Let's start here. What is your plan for making sure that you have the energy and the bandwidth to sustain the the momentum going into the election year? Oh, that's a great question. We'll get a good therapist. Is a good start. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, mine is definitely making her paycheck really well this year. So, uh, but no, really, it's. 
it's about being able to make sure you take those moments with, you know, I have four kids. So just really just making sure that those moments are happening. Um, Cause that's really the reason that I do what I do. You know, the system failed me and my kids years and years ago when I was a single mom and I just was determined to not let them live in the same world um, that they were born into. And so just making sure that, you know, keeping the eye on what's important, I think is really important in general. Like today we had some crazy things going on in the Iowa legislature that was heartbreaking, but seeing everybody so fired up about it and turning out in the middle of the week, you know, during work and school and all of this different stuff, it really just puts it in perspective. So I think, you know, coming off the holidays and going into our new year, but also being healthy, you know, I, I ride, um, I cycle. So that's probably the biggest thing that I do as I get out and the weather's nice today, which is crazy. It shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> um, so getting outside and getting some vitamin D and remember, drink a lot of water. That's, that's the biggest thing that I plan on doing. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing sober January and I, and I am waking up with more energy and I'm like, you know what? I, maybe I'm, I'm, have, I'm, I'm mindlessly having a cocktail. So I need to, you know, I needed to, to let it go. And that's going to be part of my right. plan for this year. Uh, and maybe I'll go Cali Absolutely. sober, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't count. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, we I, I, I reference Iowa a lot for various reasons. You know, there's a, the, the very strict the very strict abortion bans, and uh, you know, we have, of course we're watching the uh, the caucuses, and we had some young journalists from DePaul University go to Iowa to cover the events, and they the students mm-hmm. told me that what they heard from Iowans the two biggest things that they heard were uh, immigration, which of course you know yep. the, the Republicans are just blaring that out there. And, and the, skull, the sky is falling. And the other thing was the economy and that, you know, things are too expensive. And, and I wondered, like, do Iowans know that the minimum wage is $7.25 and why it's so low? Do, I mean, does there that connection to the fact that it's the local electeds that are doing that? It's very interesting that you ask that because I've had this conversation with a lot of people recently where, you know, talking with people who have been just deciding whether or not they want to run and things like that. And it's like, well, what are what are those conversations going to look like? And a lot of it is educating people, educating voters on things that we're all kind of just on autopilot until you enter this space. And it's just, you know, it's almost like a, a complacency where, well, if I don't have to think about it, I won't. It just is what it is. It sucks. So I would say the majority of people that I speak with, especially on my knocking doors, and I knock doors every single primary and election cycle, um, the conversations do not turn out the way that you think that they will, because a lot of people don't even know the questions to ask. So no, a lot of them don't realize that local legislators have more control over their day-to-day lives than they do on the national level. That is that is so wild to me. And I guess maybe I didn't know, like you said, unless you enter the space and you're, you know, soaking in it uh, and, and talking about these things because they do think that the president has a, an impact. Because, you know, look, if you're shopping on Amazon or get it, even your groceries, even though it might be a little bit less, maybe the, the sales taxes are, are different than they are in Illinois. But at seven, I mean, at almost half of our minimum wage, of course, it's going to be hard to make ends meet. And then you and then. Absolutely. Right. And then to see legislation coming out of places like Iowa, where they want kids working at meatpacking plants and work, yeah. you know, working 12 years old. Yeah. What is happening, Brittany? <laughs> My 12 year old daughter would not handle that well. <laughs> There's just no way I've looked at her when I've tried to explain this to them on like what really is going on, because they they tend to 
get fairly political with their teachers and challenge and things and yes. within respective ways. And I feel very strongly that they should be allowed to do that. And even if they don't agree with things that I agree with, I, they still get the space to do that. And I think that's important. And so, you know, having these conversations, my 11, he'll be 12 this year. Um, boy, this looks to me he's like, wait, like me, like my age, <laughs> like, yeah. And then think about this, me just sending you off to the, to the plant and if something happened, if you lost your arm, if you lost your life, God forbid, you would. there would be absolutely nothing to be able to protect you and help our family through that or anything because they think that you should have to go out there and just sacrifice yourself for your family at 12 years old. And he's just, like, mind blown. Um, so I usually get calls from teachers after that and say, hey, maybe let's go to <laughs> But, you know what, it needs to be talked about. That's the problem is, yeah. is it's not talked about enough. So there should be outrage. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. And I know my, my son, look, I'll, I'll tell you when my son was in, uh, I don't know if I should tell the story on the air or not, but he was in, uh, you know, he was, he went to Catholic uh, Sunday school and I think he was like, he was seven because we had very, we had, we had heavy conversations in our house. Right. And we, and we, yep. and I didn't realize how heavy, but the, the instructor pulled my husband aside to tell him uh, how frustrated they were because the instructor was talking about how suicide is, you know, an awful sin and that you're, you know, you're destroying one of God's gifts. And my son raised his hand and he said, well, then is mental illness also a gift from God? And that was, did not go well, apparently. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) My son chose not to say the Pledge of Allegiance once just to test the waters. And we got quite a few and he could very distinctly explain why he was in third grade. And this was back when Trump was running way back. And he, uh, the first time, and uh, I got a call from the school. We lived in uh, Western Colorado. It's a very, very Trump country. And they said, oh, well, he refused to do this. And I said, okay, but did, did you ask him why? And, um, you know, I was raised in a very Christian evangelical household where we did not say the Pledge of Allegiance for religious belief. And so it wasn't a huge, like, thing in my head that was a, a big deal. It was more so just, like, don't be disrespectful. Um, and so he was, they asked him, um, specifically why, and he said, well, because I don't feel comfortable pledging allegiance to a country that I don't believe in right now. And I was like, well, that sounds like he gave you a pretty good reason. <laughs> so, I mean, I, as long as he's not disrupting anything. Yeah. So we, we talked with him, and he was like, no, I feel very devastated about what's going on in our country, and I don't feel like this is... I mean, he's very articulate about it, and I think the more we raise kids being aware of what's going on around them, the more things are going to change. Yeah. Well, it's it's... It's great activists and advocates and organizers like you that are going to really make a difference this year. And uh, I, I just got an email from uh, from Jerry, my co-producer here, who's uh, they, he sent me the story about the gender identity uh, protections yes. in Iowa. So this was tell us a little bit about that. That just happened today. So that did just happen today. I unfortunately was not able to get to the Capitol for that, but I was watching it live. And when I tell you that I was in tears behind my phone, it was because there were so many incredible people who have probably never done this before, showed up and packed the Capitol 
to, like, I saw video of the number of people standing shoulder to shoulder, and I could hear them when this was being live streamed. Every time a person got up in support of this bill, which was very little, it's about 10% of the people that showed up to testify in this public hearing, um, it was like 90 to 10, every time a person would, you couldn't even hear their testimony because there were so many in numbers and protesters out chanting and just it was chills like it's still giving me goosebumps right now it was incredible and they killed the bill within 10 minutes of leaving that hearing that is wild well congratulations on that uh wow thank you yeah (laughs) how that had to be a lot of conversations uh i I, yeah (laughs) a lot of negotiations well and, and to that tell us a little bit about the work for that you do at our revolution and how people can get involved yeah, so I um, have been with them for several weeks now, and we are focusing on all of the primaries. And so right now we're really focused on getting California out because ballots hit um, February 5th. And so um, incredible group of people. I'm really excited that I got to join their team. I'm still learning quite a bit, you know, shifting to the national level, working with so many states. You know, California is a very unique way that they do things. And so it's been a learning experience for sure, but there's some incredible candidates that we have endorsed and are about to announce um, our final slate of endorsements for progressives in California. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, and, you know, these are just people who have been in it since, you know, Bernie started. Some of these people knew and were following what Bernie was doing before he even ran for president in 2016. And they are just in the trenches and they are not giving up. And it's just incredible the work that they're doing. And so, you know, want to make sure that we're changing things on a systemic level. So um, having people up and down the ballot that are endorsed and not just focusing on federal or more high profile races is a big thing that we are um, working on, which is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. So I was really excited to know that that's a program that that we're going to be doing. And so we're starting that in California. We've been working hard. We've got people who are running for, you know, L.A. City Council, Pasadena City Council, you know, all the way up to Barbara Lee running for um, U.S. Senate for Feinstein's seat. Um, and so just incredible candidates out there. If you're in California um, or know anybody that is, please, please make sure to um, to go on to ourrevolution.com and look and just pay attention to social media. We've got incredible progressive candidates and slates up and down, hopefully have candidates in your area. We tried to make sure that there is all over the state. Um, and then if you are a candidate considering running and uh, want to be considered for an endorsement, definitely um, reach out. Um, you can email me at Brittany at ourrevolution.com, um, and I can send you a questionnaire. But we really, really want to get behind candidates up and down the ballot because that's how we're going to make this change that we know we need. Oh, I'm so excited you're doing this work. And, again, that's ourrevolution.com. And, Brittany, you said to email you at, at it's Brittany at ourrevolution.com? Yep, exactly. Oh, I'm so excited. We'd love to check in with you uh, as often as we can, like maybe once a month. And, you know, for the calls yeah. to action, I know that you guys keep people up to date on the website. Again, our, 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 our why am I having so much trouble saying that? Ourrevolution.com. It's because <laughs> I'm looking at it and it's all the R's. They throw me off. It's ourrevolution.com. Uh, and you can, you can find, you can get, uh, you can, you can join, take action, find out about their mission. And uh, again, so thrilled to talk to you, Brittany. And uh, we're so just, yeah. 
excited for everyone who were victorious in uh, in Iowa today, and uh, we'll keep this uh, we'll keep this party going. Sounds good. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Be well. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you, too. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Let's take a break here. When we come back, let's, uh, we're going to change gears a little bit. Ha-ha, <laughs> see what I did there? Because it's a car thing. Tom Appel joins us in studio on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to be joined by Tom Appel, Car Guy Tom, on... Twitter, and yeah. uh, he's also uh, the consumer car guy, consumer guide, consumer guide, car guy, and uh, I, I, um, I, sometimes I'll be watching a commercial, I'm like, you know, maybe I should have gotten a Subaru. I like the Subaru, the way, the look of those Subarus are just so cool. I'm driving a Subaru. What were the chances? I, I, I did not know that. I drove one here. I drove Wait, one what here. kind you got? I've got the Outlander. Okay. Touring XT or XT Touring. So <laughs> it's all the Outlander you can buy. It's all the Outlander you can buy? Yeah. All the stuff. The whistles, the bells. There's yes. bells on top of whistles. Both whistles and bells. The, yeah. I love the colors that uh, that Subaru puts out there, like the orange, the, that sort of dusty blue. What color did they give you? It's a kind of a dusty gray-green. It's a good color. It's a good color? A lot of trending into that area, that sort of paramilitary. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. A Toyota and Ford sort of started it on their trucks, but mm-hmm. it's getting it's working its way around the industry. They're kind of good looks. I wonder if these are going to age well. I've wondered like about foam in the nineties. Is this going to look really dated in ten years? Can I tell you how much I hate it? So I had a I had a two thousand five Odyssey that was like a it was that was still a color. It was like that seafoam green. My mom had a seafoam green ninety six Honda Accord. I hated those colors. <laughs> hated them. I walked out of my house every day going, I hate this color. That's one of the, there's also orange is not uncommon right now. Yes, for, for certain vehicles. Vehicles, including also, some Subarus. Yeah, and there's also like this bright blue that seems to be popular right now too. Sort of. Yes. A, yeah. It, it, every manufacturer that has a sporty car seems to slap it on there. Yeah. That's and, and that that may do okay because I think the enthusiast audience for those vehicles mm-hmm. will seek it out after the fact. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I don't think it would do well on a Toyota Sienna. I don't, I don't think so either. Yeah. What uh, What are you excited to talk about today? What's uh, What's going on in the car world? Well, we have the Chicago Auto Show coming up. That's right. So that's cool. And it's cool that there is one. Because around the world, auto shows are in trouble. But the Chicago Auto Show seems to be doing quite well. Okay. So... Why, don't they, why are they doing so poorly? Um, Was it pa- coming out of the pandemic? Interesting or? things have happened. Okay. And, and auto shows are expensive to produce. Sure. And it's expensive for a manufacturer to be involved in an auto show. And increasingly, increasingly manufacturers are choosing to do things not associated with an auto show. And kind of, there's some logic to this. If you're a big manufacturer, mm-hmm. General Motors, right. something like that, and you've got a pretty big product, why do you go to an auto show where you're part of a lot of news? Where you can make all the news yourself someplace else. Uh-huh. That's fair. Now, if you're a small manufacturer and you want to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you go. Okay. But there's a show now, the um, the Geneva Auto Show has only got four companies coming to that, uh, four, four manufacturers that are going to show up, and two of them are Chinese. It's very weird. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. Okay, a couple things on my mind. One, uh, let's go with the uh, Tesla issues with charging during yeah. the deep freeze. A lot, of, a lot of those charging stations weren't working, were they? Or the batteries were taking a charge. That is an interesting story, and I did a deep, deep, deep dive into that, and people might want to read what I wrote about it. Yes, please. But it was not the charging stations. It was the batteries? It was the batteries in the cars, and what happened was very interesting. Up until very recently, 
all Tesla owners were kind of fanboys or people who appreciated the brand, really into their cars. They okay. cared about their cars. They knew about their cars, and they understood their cars. But Tesla's been selling a lot more cars in the last couple of years, and the people buying those cars aren't fans. They're just consumers, and they don't know their cars as well. Now, when, when the temperature dropped precipitously this year, mm-hmm. as cold as it's been in a number of years, the batteries suffered. We know this happens, right, that electric car batteries drop like a third of, of their energy capacity when the temperatures drop down to about zero. Below zero, it gets worse. Right. So there's something here that people are calling the O'Hare effect. People who were at O'Hare had their Teslas parked there, may have had the security systems on, which drains the battery a little bit, mm-hmm. came back from a trip and found their batteries deeply, deeply drained mm. and thought maybe they couldn't get home, which is why the Rosemont charging facility was the one that seemed to be the worst case here. I see. So people struggle to get to the charging station, their battery was 10 degrees below zero. And the problem is the battery won't take a charge at that temperature. Oh, okay. If you're a Tesla person, you know that you have to pre-warm or pre-condition your battery in advance. And you can do that while you're driving on the way to the charging station. Also, if you make a reservation at a charging station using the app, Mm -hmm. your battery will pre-condition and be ready when you get there. Pre-conditioning heats the battery. Gotcha. But if a battery is 10 degrees below zero needs to be at like 60 or 70 to take a charge, and it's already that cold out, some of these batteries just never got warm enough to charge. Oh, wow. And some, in some cases, the batteries drained fully and the cars were abandoned. So uh, this was a case of people using charges for the first time under the worst case scenario. Oh, no. Gosh. And now yeah. they hate electric cars. Yeah. Well, that's not going <laughs> to help things. I mean, I, 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 I kind of feel like I'm going to be a hybrid person for a while. Have you heard the story about General Motors? No. No, because the demand for EVs seems to be slowing a little bit, Mm -hmm. and everyone seems to be sort of pushing back their their full adoption of EVs. They're going back to hybrids. General Motors never really did hybrids. Oh, okay. That's Chevy, Buick, Cadillac, GMC. They never really did hybrids, so they're going to start selling some. Yeah, I I love my... I have two hybrids, and I love them. I've got a 2010 Prius, yeah. Toyota's always been at the forefront. They make great hybrids. Yeah. Super durable, great mileage. It's funny. I still get a kick out of driving my 2010 Prius. I just, I love that car. It's a good car. It is. Great use of space. You know, 40, 50 miles per gallon. What's not to love? It's amazing. And the RAV, same thing. I got an 18 RAV and I just, I like my, I like my used cars. We've talked about this before. I drive Mm -hmm. cars till they're done. I don't. And I, and I, I've, I've, I bought, well, yeah, the two new ones I bought were, they were both Hondas before this. I just, when we drove the, when we were test driving, I just was drawn to the Toyotas. Yeah. Yeah. I like them better. But are people, the other argument for, you know, that people have about the EVs are the batteries and what happens to, you know, the environment when we have to dispose of those batteries too. We're probably okay there. Okay. There's a, there's already a company called Redwood Industries out of California where you expect a company called Redwood to be, I guess. Sure. Uh, but it was founded by one of the founders of Tesla and it's a full battery um, recycling operation. Excellent. Yeah. And they're already operating. They don't have a lot of volume because there's not that many EVs being scrapped yet. Right. Uh, but it seems like we can recycle 90% of a battery until the point that it's recycled. Um, there seems to be, and, and this hasn't, this hasn't proven itself out yet, a market for secondary batteries. So a ticket out of a car, right? Cause if it, it's at 40% capacity, it's not useful in a car, right. but as a stationary battery, to be used oh. with something like windmills, where, where space and weight aren't an issue, second life. And, and the nice thing about that, too, is a battery that gets to like 50% capacity mm-hmm. will stay at that level for a very, very long time. So the second life is a good thing, and it delays the need to recycle. So it's kind of like, and this is only because this is how my brain works, it's kind of like having a, a phone with batteries going, but you can still use it if it's plugged in. 
It, it is exactly like that. <laughs> oh, look at me. Yeah. I made a connection. It's a lot like that, yeah. I like that. Good example. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sometimes my brain works. It kicks in. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I, I was not aware of that. I also wanted to know about how luxury cars are doing and or higher, like more expensive cars, because it doesn't have to necessarily be luxury to be crazy expensive, too, these days. Like Rivian has a showroom right across from, I believe, on Monroe. Uh-huh. Uh, is that right? I feel like I saw a Rivian. I don't Rivian. know where it's at. I haven't been down to it yet, but so, yeah, there's one downtown. Yeah, there's a, well, there's a lot of downtown. There's a lot of show. Like Porsche has a oh mm. Porsche. Porsche is on Monroe, and then I, uh, I just there's so many like luxury showrooms in the downtown area. How is the luxury car market doing, or the Su- high end? Surprisingly strong. Really, and kind of against my predictions. I kind of thought as, as conventional cars got more expensive, mm-hmm. they would kind of squeeze you know more expensive vehicles up market, but people seem willing to pay what it costs to buy. A Mercedes, a BMW, an Audi, right. a Porsche, and then and then on the other end we have uh, cars that people love that are gone, like the Honda Fit. Like that was a cool little zippy car, isn't it? Isn't that off the market now too? Fit is gone, but but the HRV, okay. which is basically a crossover version of it, is still available. Okay, so if you're Honda, it's a little, it's a little bigger, a little, a little bigger, a little yeah. brawnier, yeah, yes. it's got some shoulders, brawnier. I like that. But it, it, yes. if you're a manufacturer, you want to sell that because you can get a little bit more money for it. And okay. it's available with all-wheel drive, which in a lot of markets people really want, like here. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's take a break here. We've got a listener who uh, has a call, has a question for you. So we'll get the headphones ready and take a break and come back with Tom Appel. Follow him on Twitter, a car, car guy, Tom. Car guy, Tom. And you can also uh, check out his work at Consumer Guide. Yeah, uh, ConsumerGuide.com. And sign up for his newsletter, right? Email you. Car stuff at consumerguide.com. Send me an email. I'll put you on the list. Outstanding. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal, and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown in Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. Need to driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. As a matter of fact, we're driving it home with our car guy, Tom Appel, joins me in studio as he does at the la- on the last Saturday of uh, last Saturday. That was weird. Last Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know whose Saturday Wednesday could be, but apparently I'm ready to have the weekend. <laughs> Every uh, last Wednesday of the month, we're joined by Tom Appel and talking all, all things car. And Dave from Hoffman Estates has a question for you. Hey, Dave, you're on the air with Tom and me. Hey, hey Pat. Hey, Tom. Tom, hey. you know I always got one for you. <laughs> uh, just last night, we were over with uh, our money manager slash friend and talking about the Teslas and the freeze up in Alabama. And he has a co-worker friend who has one, and uh, he said that he's on his, getting a, a new one again because they got he had bad, he gets bad resale value or something, you know, the trading value, but he said with that charging cable, now, I've never heard this before, he said that, that this gentleman told him that the reason they had so much trouble, too, with the charging because that cable has so much amperage that they have some kind of a cooling thing in, on the inside of that cable to help cool back that uh, battery cable. Is there truth to that? 
Uh, I have heard about the cooling uh, the cooling system in the cable. I don't know much about it, however, and I don't think that would have been responsible for any of the of the uh, charging issues that we saw here a couple weeks ago. Okay. Well, what he was saying anyway uh, that that some of that stuff either freezing up a little bit, and that uh, he had said that if you were on any kind of bit of a trip, you said that you better hope that there's a hotel or something nearby so you can go and stay. <laughs> take some time for that stuff to thaw down and whatever. So I don't know, you know, because uh, I just curious that you had heard about that. Yeah, the interesting thing here, the, the charger itself, electricity doesn't care what temperature it is. It moves through whatever it moves through. The battery itself, however, there's a chemical uh, exchange that has to happen in the battery that slows down dramatically when the battery gets cold or when the battery gets very hot. Batteries kind of like things the same temperature that people do. So that's when we see the issues is when we're uncomfortable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he made it sound more that, that the cable itself had, you know, that amperage that pushes through it, heats it up, that that, that cable and that, that, that they had to have that cooling, you know, that cooling thing and that, that right. cooling stuff had closed up with the cold. So, I don't know. And then you heard, too, that, uh, like that lightning is what? They're not uh, doing any production on that now? The Ford F-150 Lightning, which sold pretty well for a little while, they've decided to to back off production for a while. Oh, so that's, for, the, that's the electric or? Yeah, the electric, electric. pickup. Uh, there, there is a new value-priced model in the middle of that lineup now that might pick things up a little bit. But for next year, for for this year, uh, they're, they're going to build a few fewer of those. Yeah. Yeah, I see the GMs doing quite well, and they're going with the plug-in EVs and stuff. They're looking at that, and, uh, and uh, a bunch of their employees, they got some really good uh, profit-sharing coming, even. Yeah, General Motors had a problem with their, with their batteries last year. We'll see what they can do now that they have a full supply of batteries. Very interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounded like they were going to go a lot of that plug-in EV. So. But, uh, they're talking about it, yep. Anywho. Anyway, let me listen on the side. I just got to talk space with you on that. Maybe next month again. (laughs) Take care. Thanks, Dave. Bye. I, uh, you know, we've talked about the Mazda Miata before. I didn't realize. So they're back in production. What, how, when do they start making Miatas again? They never stopped making Miatas. I thought they did. No, there's been a pretty steady supply of Miatas in the U.S. for a long time. But, but the popularity has, has fallen a lot. Okay. People looking for, that's an essentially pure little sports car. And it's a delight to drive. I wish I fit in it better. <laughs> uh, but absolutely delightful car. It's still relatively affordable. But it just doesn't sell very well anymore. Okay. I think like twenty twenty five thousand a year, which is still volume, but it's not like it used to. Oh, it's not like Ford Mustang kind of volume. No, I, well, there you go. And I, because uh, I have friends who are like in Mazda Miata clubs. Like there's certain car mm-hmm. clubs. Obviously, there's Corvette. A friend of mine, a couple friends of mine are a part of a Lotus. Uh, I think you right. met my friend Dan. Yep. And uh, it's just, it's just fascinating. Like, I don't think I could ever uh, join a group like because I like my. Prius. I'm sure there's a Prius. It's there's certainly message a boards. I don't know how many clubs are. I don't know if people get together to clink beers over their Prius hoods, right? but, but there's certainly message boards. Yeah, no, I guess. Uh, and it is funny when you see that you like spotting uh, unique or older cars. What's uh, some of the latest cars you've spotted? Wow, what did I just spot? My wife spotted, and this is a crazy car, and I might have the model year wrong, but Mitsubishi very briefly made a sporty version of its Lancer Compact mm-hmm. that was, was rally art. That 
was kind of a trim level that was high performance. And they did a wagon version that existed for one year only. Oh, wow. So that was that's a unicorn among unicorns. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I, I, I've always wanted to uh, drive one of the uh, vintage cars. You know, they have them for parades and stuff. I always wanted to drive one of those in a parade. The, the thing is, though, the fumes from a lot of those cars are crazy. It's funny because we, we've forgotten that. If you're my age and, and maybe a little bit younger, you remember, like, Going to someplace, especially in the winter, yeah. you were aware of a car running rich, and it just smelled like raw gas everywhere. It did. Yeah. And, and you don't get that smell from modern cars. Modern fuel systems are very accurate. Yeah. And, and that would be terrible for emissions. Yeah. Right? Oh, gosh, yeah. If you can smell gas, you're... you're Emitting tons of hydrocarbons. Absolutely. But, 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 but yeah, when you get like an old, like a 66 Mustang parading, you know, idling slowly is, yeah, you smell gas. And all the kids sitting on the curbs just inhaling. Like the Norwood Park <laughs> Memorial Day Parade, which I love, has a massive amount of vintage cars and like just slow rolling past all these. I'm like, oh, this is not a great idea. Anyway, they're still fun to see. It is. Uh, one of the things that uh, I know folks talked about uh, in the last few weeks because of that, that cold snap is we don't need to warm up our cars anymore. We used to think that we needed to let them run up, you know, warm up for like 10, 12, 15 minutes. No, you don't. And you're probably inclined to do that. And you can uh, to warm up the car and get the seat heaters. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to have the greatest invention of the 21st century, the steering wheel heater. Oh, Oh, that's awesome. I thought you were say remote start because I thought well, that's... That, yeah. Well, I love and that. And that plays into that. A lot of cars, yeah. you can program that in. Um, but but um, you do not need to warm up your car. No, you don't About need... a minute, even when it's extremely cold. The nice thing is that most cars now use synthetic oil that gets in there everywhere. It doesn't dry up. So right. you're, you're fine. But to warm up the heat, to warm up the seats... It's going to be a and, while. And your, uh, and your heated steering wheel, which, yeah, I don't... That takes time. My husband hates our... We have the heated seats in the Prius, not in the RAV. Uh, and he, he you're like, sometimes I'll, I'll leave it on. So when he starts the car, he's like, do I have malaria? What is... Hey, he hates having the heated seats. I love them. I I've been cozy. using them. Um, and, and in electric cars... Actually, it's sort of suggested that you use them as opposed to cranking up the heat. Okay. Because you use less energy. That makes sense. To heat a seat than to heat the cabin. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of push for people to do that. Yeah. What would you say as far as like the ease of drive, like a mid-range, uh, you know, sort of a, a, I guess like the, the Camrys are still really strong. That's, mm-hmm. that's a little more expensive. I guess the Corolla is still more the mid-range. And then what does what so we have? The Yaris? Yaris is gone. The Yaris is gone? See, yeah. I don't know what's out there anymore. There is no, there is no longer a sub-Corolla okay. uh, Toyota. Corolla is the bottom. Yeah. And then, so then with the Hondas, it would be the Civic. Mm-hmm. Is there, they still have the Civic. Yeah. Yeah, but the little, little cars are all disappearing. Are they really? There's no money to be made there. Um, and manufacturers, or, sorry, dealers don't want to stock them because they just hang around for a long time. Yeah, some but of people, them are the too small. People want small crossovers. Yeah, they want, because of those little, like the Mini Coopers that aren't as popular anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are kind of bangy cars anyway. You know what's selling really well, too? There are things like the Kia Seltos. Okay. Which is a small crossover, just smaller than something like a, a Civic or, or a RAV4. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, CRV or a RAV4. It's kind of a different class, and people really like it. Well, people love that QB-looking car, the Kia Sport. The Kia Soul. Soul. People love that Very car. popular. Yeah, yeah but, and it gets everything done. The only problem, not all-wheel drive, okay. but but fuel-efficient, unbelievably good use of space. It's almost a cube, so everything's sort of contained in the wheelbase and in, 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 in the width of the car. So you just you can get a lot of stuff in there. You can put four of me in that car pretty easily. <laughs> they're, they're fun-looking cars. And that's the other thing, too, as far as all-wheel drive. It's funny to me how... Uh, 
overly confident some SUV drivers are in the snow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's like you're not the Batmobile. You're still going to fall into a ditch. Yeah, an all-wheel drive doesn't help you stop. Exactly. So. <laughs> I was just I was trying to find the, the words that uh, describe these. I wanted to say a-holes, but that's not neither here nor there. When they dr- I think that's a, an automotive term. <laughs> a-holes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I and I really try very hard not to wish ill on them because the thing is that like sometimes people barrel past you way too fast and then kick up all this the slush or the snow into your windshield. Just now. I try not to want them to. Just... I'm, I'm always startled by how much confidence some people have in their ability to drive and their car under those conditions. Yeah, like it's... wow, I I wouldn't do that, and I'm kind of crazy. So so far, what would you say? Let's say in the last uh, few months, what has been your favorite car to drive that they they let you borrow? Wow, what did I drive that I really liked? I just drove um, uh, the Hyundai Ioniq 6, okay. which is Hyundai's Ooh. second electric vehicle, and it's a, it's a sedan about the size of an Accord or a Camry. What a delightful car. It's electric, uh, good range, really roomy interior, but the best thing about it is there's, there's no penalty for EV. It, it, it rides and handles very well. Oh. Everything about it is very likable, and the range is pretty good, too, over 300 miles. Wow. So likeable. That is great. Yeah, little expensive. I drove a loaded version, came to fifty eight K, which is really outside the reach of most drivers, most most car shoppers these days, but that'll come down. Oof. So what do you got coming up? What are you working on next? Uh, right now I'm working uh the Lexus GX five fifty. Okay. That is uh Lexus a replacement a replacement for something that used to be called the GX four sixty. It's on an all new architecture, but it's it's the car in their lineup that is supposed to be both luxury oriented, luxury oriented crossover, mid sized crossover, but also seriously capable off-road. Okay. So an interesting niche, an interesting little corner of the Lexus market. And the podcast? Uh, the podcast, we just talked to um, a good conversation with uh, John Vincent of Popular Science about the 11 best values for 2024. So this is Popular Science's list of the best cars for the money this year. And that's the podcast that just went live. Excellent. Where can people find that? Anywhere podcasts are available? You can go anywhere, yeah. Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. You can download it anywhere. And follow Tom on Twitter. It's Car Guy Tom. And uh, make sure you sign up for his email list. Yeah, car stuff at consumerguide.com. Shoot me an email. And Tom will be back next month. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today.